Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, the three-year anniversary edition, which I've split up into three episodes, and you're listening to episode three. And I'm releasing this on Thursday, the 4th of April, 2019. I'm sharing today 75 things over three years of episodes that I've learned, which may be useful to you as a self-published author. Now, coming up in this episode, this is what we're going to be going through next. I'm going to have 10 essential writing podcasts for you. I'll have 10 miscellaneous self-publishing related tips and also 10 business and mindset books, podcasts and audios, which I recommend. We'll start, though, with the 10 essential writing podcasts. Now, I'm a big consumer of podcasts. In fact, I have so many podcasts on my phone that I struggle to listen to the multitude of audio books that I'm desperate also to listen to. Uh, there's so much to listen to and not enough time. Now, I will just let you know, because I get on so well with it, that I use something called the Beyond Pod audio catcher, the podcast app, if you want. And I pay for it. Um, not not very much. I've paid once for it, about three pounds. But it just allows me to create effectively uh, programs of podcasts. I can tell it which order I want it to play them in. And I can say, I'll oh, play two episodes of Joanna Penn and then one episode of self-publishing stories or whatever whatever it is, you know, and, and I can just create a whole running order of podcasts. So it's my favorite uh, podcast feed. It's called Beyond Pod. I've got it on an Android phone and I have an awful lot of podcasts that just automatically come into that. I think I must have about 20 podcasts in my queue. Uh, so you can see how much listening I do through the week. But I, I wanted to boil that down to my 10 essential writing podcasts. There are other podcasts available. There are other writing podcasts that I listen to. But this is a, a complement of podcasts that I'd like to recommend to you. So first of all, the Sci-Fi and Fantasy Marketing Podcast. It's actually a new one on my list. I've only been listening to it for about two or three months. And I can't remember. I think it was Jerry Evanoff who put me onto it. Um, but I, I listened to it. Oh, no, it was John Cronshaw. I beg your pardon. It was John Cronshaw who has an author podcast as well. Uh, it was John Cronshaw who mentioned it. He put me on because Brian Meeks, who's the uh, Amazon ads expert, uh, he recommended a particular episode. I listened to that episode. thought, oh, that was brilliant. That was gold dust. Um, Brian was excellent in that episode. Uh, I actually preferred that episode to the book, actually, that I bought. I found it clearer. And um, and so, of course, like you do, when you find a podcast that you like, I started digging around and there's loads and loads of gems in that podcast. Now, I don't want you to be put off by the genre, the sci-fi and fantasy. Now, I don't, I'm not a slightest bit interested in fantasy. Uh, I'm a sci-fi writer, but in actual fact, they just happen to be sci-fi and fantasy authors. The marketing episodes that they do are brilliant and you don't it doesn't matter what genre you're in um it really doesn't uh, the the content is fantastic so very occasionally they do have authors from those genres coming on to do interviews and i'm i'm i have to say i'm less interested in those episodes it's really the marketing ones i'm interested in and the question and answer sessions that they do are also excellent um, so what i would suggest you do is just pick a mix. Just pick the ones that you think are useful. Go through the whole back catalogue and you'll see loads of great stuff in there. But the marketing stuff is absolute. It's just gold dust. And so are the ones where they do the Q&A. Uh, they're very, very useful as well. Just to let you know, at the time I'm recording this, which is April 2019, they've literally, this week, started a break until summer from that podcast. But but obviously, the great thing about podcasts is that they're evergreen. So just dive into the back catalogue. And then hopefully, by the time you've worked your way through the back catalogue, they'll be starting recording again in the summer but just to let you know they are on a break at the moment there are two podcasts i think which share the indie author podcasting crown and they are the creative pen and the story studio i think they are the two podcasts that that you must listen to and pretty well the podcast that everybody listens to uh, wherever they are in their career so the creative pen is presented by joanna penn that podcast is 10 years old this year absolutely remarkable it takes real grit and commitment to to stay in podcasting that long and uh, joanna shares great information uh, she's very honest about it she does income reports um I, she's it's very interesting joanna because she's got a really good feel for the industry she's got a really good feel for future developments what's blowing in the wind with self-publishing i think she's always ahead of the curve um, but also she's got great air miles behind her a lot of, of different experiences too she writes fiction and non-fiction and um, i particularly enjoy 
the 15, 20 minutes at the beginning of the podcast, where she does effectively what I do on my podcast, which is to tell you what her news is and what's going on in her author career. That's the bit I really enjoy most. As far as the interviews are concerned, I tend to pick and mix with those. I, I listen to the ones that particularly interest me. I just listen to the author updates uh, from Joanna. And then if I'm not interested in the interview, I just stop listening at that point. And that's what I would recommend that you do. But there's a tremendous back catalogue there, as you would expect, over 10 years. And then sharing the crown with Joanna are Johnny, uh, Sean and Dave. It used to be the self-publishing podcast when I started listening to it. It's now called The Story Studio. Their business has evolved over the years. They've expanded massively recently. I think they've just figured out that that's actually a distraction and a bit of a mistake. So they've contracted again. And all they're doing now is one podcast, uh, which is The Story Studio podcast. And they're just writing uh, books now. That's pretty well all they're doing. They've got rid of all the author education stuff that they were doing. They're just focusing on the writing. Now, why would you listen to this podcast? Well, they've been at it for ages and, and they are very successful. Uh, they're very good at what they do, but also it's just a very funny podcast. It really is very, very funny. Uh, you know, three people who work brilliantly together. They're just a brilliant complement of people and it's just a thoroughly entertaining way to learn. I've been listening to it for years now. I think probably Joanna and the self publishing podcast as it was then i think those are probably the two podcasts i've listened to for the longest and i must be nearly up to about four years with both of those podcasts now number four on this list of 10 essential writing podcasts is create if writing by kirsten oliphant now kirsten i was i used to listen to her podcast i've listened to it for a long time but i listened to it primarily at first because she was talking about the sort of things that interest me like blogging um like internet marketing email marketing she was really talking mainly about geeky stuff and she'd publish her books but she wasn't selling many of them and they were mainly i think non-fiction books but last january um, Kirsten started to write fiction, which I think has been her number one love. I think it's what she did her degree in. And she's experienced tremendous growth and success as a fiction writer. And she took a rest from her podcast over summer and she came back in September. And the content since September, it was great before. I used to love listening to it before. But the content is just really supercharged at the moment because she's not a... Um, million pound selling author she's like you and me and her best month has been ten thousand dollars and i think she was disappointed because she got to four thousand dollars in february but she has out of nowhere she's rapid released her book she's written fast and she has created a sustainable author income um, extremely fast over the course of the last year and she's sharing every nut bolt and detail of that in creative writing so what i would say to you is if you're if you're interested in learning more about uh, best practice with internet marketing with blogging with email marketing then go through the back catalog because there's a lot of great stuff there but if you're particularly interested in the writing and i, I really i cannot recommend the writing content that kirsten's doing enough at the moment i am just like extracting all those beautiful jewels from it uh, when i'm listening it's so good um then then join Kirsten from after her summer break in about I think it was about September that she picked them up again maybe September October and there's just they're brilliant episodes uh you really do need to check those out and Kirsten is not somebody that you will hear you'll hear her mentioned on the Selmore book show I think she often comments in the Selmore book show but you won't hear her being talked about in the traditional indie author circle so I'm very keen in this list that I give you to tell you about obviously people that you, you must know and that most people know but also to slip some in there that you might not have heard of where i'm getting some great value really enjoy kirsten's content uh, the next on the list is selma book show which is presented by brian and jim jim kukrell and brian cohen I think Brian's doing a lot of really interesting stuff this year, uh, separately from the show. He's doing a lot of Amazon testing and Facebook ads testing. I'm listening to all of that. It's great content. But the Selma Book Show, if you haven't heard it before, effectively they give you three writing tips and they give you five items of news. And it's just really good for keeping up with what's hot, what's not in the indie author world. Now, I did take a break from this show for a while. They had an event on, and I just got sick of them talking about the event at the beginning of, of every episode. And, and they, they do, it's, it's front stacked with, um, they talk about Patreons. Um, they talk about kind of what they're flogging at the moment. And sometimes we, we were getting to a stage where it was like 10 or 15 minutes before we were getting to the tips of the news. And um, so I stopped listening for a while and then I've come back to it now. And what I would say to you is if that bothers you, 
I've got a skip function on my podcast. Just skip five minutes, skip five minutes, and you're generally into the tips. So that, that's what I tend to do when the music comes on. When I'm listening to the podcast, I go skip, skip. And then in about 10 minutes, I'm usually into the tips, which is the stuff I want to listen to. Now, that stuff is great. Jim and, and uh, Brian are great. They work well together. They're good foils to each other. The content is great. Got no problems with it at all. All, like, all I would say about that podcast is all that dross stuff i might stick at the back rather than at the front because if you're a new listener um you kind of want to get straight into the juicy stuff don't you don't want to have to sit there waiting to, it's, it's like um school assembly having to go through all the announcements in the morning and it slows it down quite a lot so um, i would just sooner rather get into the meaty stuff that's all i'm saying but when you get to the meaty stuff it's great and it's a must listen to show another new podcast that i want to mention in this list is the writer's well and it's by oh jay thorne and Rachel Somebody. Apologies, I can't remember the names. But I love this podcast. They, they talk about writing issues in the broadest sense, all, all sorts of different issues they discuss. And it's just like listening in on two friends chatting. And why I love this podcast, it's so it's just beautifully positive. They're so um, nice with each other and supportive of each other. And they quite clearly can't get enough of each other's company. They quite clearly like each other. And it's just a pleasure to listen to. It's just like listening in on a conversation between two people who quite clearly got on really well, have immense time for each other, respect for each other. And then in addition, they're talking about author stuff. So you could learn from it too. But it, I, it's just a beautiful, positive force in the world, uh, the writer's well. And I really enjoy listening to that podcast. Um, but also, of course, they're dealing with some great writer's issues too. Now, the next podcast I'm going to recommend to you is by an author who hasn't at the time of recording this, hasn't published his first book yet. He's written it and he's editing it. And this is the New Author Podcast by Jerry Evanoff. Now, I, I encountered Jerry because Jerry listens to this podcast, um, which I'm very grateful for. And he'd reached out to me and um, he'd started a podcast. I'd listened to it. I love it. Uh, it's just the thing about podcasts, I think you can sort of listen to 10 minutes and you know whether you're in or out after 10 minutes. And I'm really enjoying Jerry's. It's, it's on my must-listen-to list every week now. And it arrives in my queue is it on a Monday? Yeah, on a Monday morning with Joanna Penn. So when I finish Joanna Penn's, I, I move straight on to Jerry's. And it's always great to have his show teed up and ready to go. But Jerry's going through all sorts of things. So he's talking about his writing. He's talking about his editing. I have learned a lot of the books I've recommended to you in these episodes are books I, I never knew of before. But Jerry's mentioned. I just, they weren't on my radar before. And um, they were fantastic. So I've mentioned them elsewhere in these episodes. But also because Jerry hasn't uh, published yet. His mum's editing his books. Um, he's very immersed in the 20 books. He's been to 20 Books Vegas twice, I think that's right to say, Jerry. He came to 20 Books London last year and I missed him. He's coming to 20 Books Edinburgh this year. I'm going to make sure I meet him and say hello. Uh, in a non-stalkery way, Jerry, you understand. Um, just <laughs> I just want to say hello. Uh, I'm not going to hunt you down, don't worry. Uh, but uh, the podcast is great. And, and I, I think it's really important to learn from people at all stages. But because Jerry's really immersed in this, he's listening to lots of podcasts. He'll also tell you that Kirsten's podcast is great too, by the way. Um, he's really immersed in learning. He's trying to do his best. He's trying to get it right. And I think if you're at that stage where maybe you've only just released one book or you haven't released one yet, you'll get immense value from what Jerry's saying. Um, and I have, I've got 14 books out there and I get immense value from what Jerry's saying. You know, you could learn from everybody. Everybody's got something to teach you wherever they are at. And I learn a lot from Jerry's, but also Jerry's he's doing other stuff he's um he, he has a long drive to work he's fitting the writing and the editing in in a busy work life uh you know he's got uh, animals to look after he's got a busy job he has a, an hour over an hour long drive i think to get to work um he he's trying to exercise he's trying to lose weight you know he's it's like an everyman if you want he's, he's he's like all of us just trying to fit all this stuff into a real life so it's fascinating and he's very honest about it so i highly recommend the new author podcast by jerry evanoff too Another podcast I like to, and again, I'm trying to give you a, a broad range of podcasts here. So this isn't a comprehensive list, but it will give you a range of different experiences. Sarah Painter's The Worried Writer podcast is another one of my favorites. Now, Sarah releases episode episodes once every month. 
Um, so again, you can keep up with them. And she's begun to do an update at the beginning of her podcast too. I always enjoy hearing the author updates. I always want to hear, um, you know, the writing updates, how they're marketing, what they're doing. I like to hear about the strategies. So, um, I really enjoy Sarah's podcast, but what she tends to delve into is the mindset issues that, it, that go with self-publishing. What makes you procrastinate? What makes you nervous to write, uh, scared to share your work out there? And, and Sarah has been traditionally and independently published so again she she uh, her experience spans two camps so it's just a really just a really interesting podcast i love her presentation style it's a very gentle presentation style and a really nice listen so that's the worried writer podcast by sarah painter Another new author, I said new author podcast, uh, but a, a, a podcast of somebody who's who's trying to get traction is Awkward Author Podcast by Alyssa Grosso. Now, Alyssa has been a guest on my podcast and I really enjoyed chatting to her, but Alyssa has been traditionally published and is now self-publishing. And really interesting about Alyssa is she's got, she's, she's able to make her living from selling physical goods on Amazon. Uh, and what she's struggling to do is to sell her books on Amazon. So she knows how to sell. She's a successful seller on Amazon with physical goods. She knows what to do. But as a as an indie author, she's going through struggles to try and get traction on Amazon. And uh, Alyssa is, is painfully honest about her income reports. Absolutely. She does great income reports. And often she'll tell you she's lost more money than she's made. But they're painfully honest, those, those reports. But that's, you know, that's great because if people, if, if all we learn from is people who say, oh, I've oh, made another million pounds in the bank this week, you know, that's great. We need to aspire to that. But also, sometimes that doesn't reflect our life or our experience. So it's really great to hear from people like, uh, you know, Alyssa, from Jerry, from Kirsten, people who are still struggling, people who are still pushing and trying to get there so that we can join people at all stages of the journey and, and just get more ideas about how to do this and, and have our own breakthrough. So I really enjoy Alyssa's podcast. Now, primarily, uh, Alyssa is a, is a YouTube uh, presenter. You know, she, she does it on camera. Um, I I actually like her. I, I don't listen to podcasts on, on YouTube. I don't like to consume them that way. I like to listen to them on my phone. Um, and um, actually today, I was just mentioning Alyssa because I said I was going to mention her in this podcast. And I, I, I thought she'd have taken a break from the podcast since Christmas. But actually, um, we, we found a little problem on the feed in that the, the feed wasn't making it through to to my feed i'm not getting it on presumably on itunes but all the back catalog are still on youtube so just to let you know if you find a little break when you subscribe Alyssa is still doing the podcast hopefully um, she'll get those updated so that the feed updates so we can just get them all on our phone but it is always on youtube if you can't find it on your phone and that i think is um, Alyssa's primary way of communicating is through youtube that's how she found my podcast in the first instance so finally, on this list of 10 essential writing podcasts, I've got two for you that I'm going to recommend that you dip into. The self-publishing formula, which is James Blatch and Mark Dawson. Uh, James Blatch is a you know great presenter. He's got had a radio and TV background. I, I could listen to James all day. I love the sort of chatty bits in there. Uh, I always love the chatty bits. It's funny, isn't it? Um, and uh, the Kobo Writing Life podcast. Now, the reason I've put these as dip twos, I did say 10, so I, I had to squeeze or squeeze them in together. Um, the self-publishing formula, um, I, I, I tend to dip into the guests that I want to listen to. So I don't want to listen to all of the guests, but they do some brilliant stuff in there. One of the things they do is they, they do an indie author makeover. It's about once a month, I think where they take an indie author and they look at their book cover, they look at their blurb, they get an editor to look at what they do, and they critique it. Those sessions are absolutely brilliant. They're about one and a half hours. They're a real deep dive into what you should be doing with your book. So I highly recommend those two. They're absolutely brilliant. I do. I tend to like the episodes where I'm hearing how to do stuff more. I, li- I like those episodes, um, whereas I'm less interested in, in, in hearing sort of authors talk generally. Uh, I like to hear the nuts and bolts and how to. So th- I tend to dip into the self-publishing formula, but I do check it every week. Uh, I, I subscribe to the feed. I check the episode every week. I usually listen to the banter at, at the beginning because I always like to hear that. I like to hear what people are up to, uh, but I don't listen to every single 
uh, interview episode. So for instance, if I look at my feed at the moment, I've got two episodes on the feed. I'm not going to say who they, well, I'll tell you who the one is I am going to listen to. Um, I've got Michael Andale, 200 books to 500k. I'm going to re- listen to Michael Andale's interview because I'm really interested in that. But the interview, the other interview that I've got on here, I'm not going to re- listen to because I, it's, um, it's a guest that's been doing the rounds. I've heard that guest already on other podcasts and I'm less interested in that. So that's why I say I dip into that podcast. But the ones I always listen to, I always listen to Mark's reports when Mark's talking about what he's doing and the successes he's had and when he's diving into advertising and things like that and I also listen to those uh, all of them the indie author makeovers they're absolutely pure gold those and it's the same with the Kobo Writing Life podcast Um, a lot of them are just authors coming on as guests and and I can take or leave those a lot of the time Um, but the ones I get I get huge value from are when they're actually talking about the Kobo platform when they're talking about how it works how to format the books they've got their own team members on you know talking about best practice how to take part in the promotions and, and make the most of their setup on Kobo those are the ones I like best I'm much less interested in the ones where they're just talking to an author Uh, but when you get gold dust you get pure gold in in the Kobo Writing Life podcast so so you know and it's a great podcast you 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 may like it I think really the reason that I jettisoned a lot of the 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 interviews with authors is I simply haven't got time to listen to them so I have to prioritize so I, I tend to go for the ones where I'm um, you know I'm learning stuff so for instance I got three episodes uh, that I haven't listened to at the moment from Kobo I won't tell you the ones I'm not listening to because they're general uh, authors in conversation but the one I am going to listen to is Stuart Bache book cover designer who's talking about um, all the myths about cover design best practice in cover design and all of that because I'm going to I'm going to be taking loads of learning points from Stuart and that's kind of what I'm looking for in podcasts I don't really want to hear general chats with authors I just want to extract the gold nuggets all the time so those are two podcasts that I, I the highly recommended but I tend to just dip in and out of so let's move on to my 10 miscellaneous tips and first of all bearing in mind that in the last part of this series of specials I recommended that you use the software Vellum if you want to produce paperbacks. I'm going to say now that if you don't want to use Vellum, if that's a technical stage too far for you, then if you need to get a paperback formatted, I've successfully used Frostbite Publishing in the past. I've had, trying to think how many books it is, I think it's at least six books, and I found them very professional. They do a nice job. They're very responsive if there's any changes that you want made. So uh, that's just a very simple tip. If you don't want to use Vellum, if you don't want to use any other software, if you don't actually want to format paperbacks yourself, it's quite a complex job doing paperbacks. Uh, use Frostbite Publishing. It's just a tip for you. There are others available, of course, but uh, I'm just recommending based upon my experience. But paperbacks are quite hard to get the numbering right and all the pages formatted correctly and orphans and widows and all those sorts of things. And I have actually just used them very recently to do my Secret Bunker trilogy because, frankly, it was just too complicated for me even to do in vellum, uh, because there were so many small parts to that particular story. Second, join Ally, the Alliance of Independent Authors, or at least if you don't join them, make sure that they're on your radar, make sure that you're subscribed to their newsletter and check out their blog posts. They do loads of stuff for free, so you don't need to jump straight in and join them. You can get a feel, you can try before you buy. But I joined Ally... I think it was probably the first organization that I joined and I went to one of their events it must be four years ago now and really I think that opened up the whole world of independent publishing to me and from there everything really came uh, contacts and uh, knowledge of podcasts and uh, knowledge of who was who in the scene and I've been a, a member of the Alliance of Independent Authors for quite some time now uh, I'm sure I've done at least four renewals now and also they have these wonderful online events that they hold about once every quarter and uh, where basically they do 24 hours of teaching for free by some of the most influential people in indie publishing they just share their fantastic knowledge for free so the alliance of independent authors it's known as ally a-l-l-i i'll put links on the show notes of course but do check out ally and make sure they're on your radar and similarly the third point in these miscellaneous tips is the 20 books to 50k facebook group now, if you're not familiar with this, the whole concept is is that if you write 20 books, then you should be able to generate $50,000 of income per year. This is based on a mathematical formula. 
and I say mathematical formula, it's, it's based on a formula, I think, that was created by Michael Anderley, who was the, the person who created that group. Um, but these things change. The most useful uh, groups, the most useful communities change. I was in a community called, I think it was called Kindling, if I remember rightly, and I got immense value from from that particular community when I started out in indie, in the indie author industry. And 20 Books was not even invented then. But what happened is that for a while I was in Kindling. I'm still in Kindling, actually. Um, but, but actually, 20 Books to 50K has become the most useful group. Now, Kindling pretty well did what 20 books does now um they told you about writing to market and 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 the things you needed to put in your books it was an excellent it was really an excellent little group uh and it had training based around it which i bought as well that was the first training i bought but now i think you've got to be in 20 books to 50k i think you've got to be in there for networking i think you've got to be in there for the latest kind of intelligence about self-publishing it's definitely a group that you should join. And there are wider opportunities too, because they hold an annual event in Las Vegas. Um, I'm recording this in April 2019, but we have an event in July in Edinburgh as well. And there must attend events. If you want to, to link up with indie authors in your country, not necessarily even in your country, beyond, um, those are the kind of events to head for. So 20 books to 50k, search down on Facebook, join the group, and I'm sure you'll get lots of value from it. My fourth tip, and I did say this is a bit of a a mishmash, really, of tips. Only read your reviews when you're feeling resilient and confident. So reviews are quite a touchy issue for many authors, and I think I'm probably getting better at reading them now. But I would say that if it's a one-star or a two-star review, and it's just a trashing comment, and then it just says, oh, this was rubbish, uh, or, you know, not my kind of book, or something like that, you just, that goes with the territory. And you just have to ignore that. And it's very frustrating, but you just have to walk away from those. If they're just, if it's just a fairly ignorant statement, um, there's not a lot you could do about it. You just have to ask yourself, why would somebody write a review like that and want their name on it? What I would say to you is beware one star and two star reviews written by articulate and discerning readers. Those are the ones you've got to worry about because they've probably got a sting in the tail which you need to take notice of. So you'll always get Mr. or Mrs. Grumpy saying it was rubbish, uh, you know, too slow, too fast, uh, you know, like, like the three bears, you know, this porridge is too hot, this is too cold, nothing's ever right kind of scenario. Um, so you'll get those, take those on the chin, there's nothing you can do about it. It's just life. But the one star, two stars, where somebody's very articulate and they they kind of outline exactly what the problem is with the book in great uh, detail, uh, those are probably the ones you do need to worry about, not the, not just the trashing one and two stars. They're very frustrating. It can feel like some, you know, you've built something beautiful and somebody's just got to kicked it to pieces. Um, but it does go with the territory. Never reply to reviews. You, you'll feel like on many occasions you just want to punch the lights out of the person who wrote them. Um, but this is the whole point of online, isn't it? That people can wind you up in a way that nothing else does. And you, you can't sort of respond. You can't, uh, you can't put your case. You just have to let it fly and it just sits there, uh, you know, damaging your, your, your book, damaging your reputation or whatever. And there's nothing you can do about it, but never reply to a review. Um, it, it's just, it's just, it's just not worth it. It seldom ends well. Um, and, you know, my view is that most people who who write reviews like that um, will never write a book. Um, you know, they, they might fancy themselves as self-styled literary experts. They'll never write a book. And if they have written a book, they should know better. Because no authors, no one who's ever written a book should be leaving reviews like that. Um, they should know better. Um, so... That's kind of my take on reviews. Don't reply to them. Just take the the one sentence monosyllabic kind of bad reviews. Just take it on the chin. My experience is you get if you if you promote your book for free, it's one of the penalties I think of promoting for free and lower price that you get people who are less discerning about what they're reading. So they'll pick your book up, it's not what they want. And then they feel obliged to to say that in a one or two star review rather than have any self-knowledge, which is I picked this up. I probably shouldn't have read this. It's not my genre. Uh, they trash it instead. And uh, you just have to live with that. The other thing I would say to you, another good tip that somebody gave me was if you are feeling down about your reviews, look at any book, 
any book and particularly look at the book of big authors really massively successful authors and they will have their one star and two star reviews everybody's got them and you can't help them they are just an occupational hazard and if you struggle with reviews just don't look at them or get a partner to look at them and to shield you from the pointless ones frankly and just let you know the ones that are constructive I'm sure all authors are happy to have constructive reviews. So, for instance, if somebody points out spelling mistakes in a book, they've all been edited, but you know what it's like. Some slip through. They usually slip through most books. Um, I, I want to know about them because the sooner I know about them, the sooner I can put them right. And that's the joy of self-publishing. Uh, so I kind of want to know about factual stuff. That's always very helpful. If I've got anything wrong, made a mistake, something's not working, a link's not working, that's that's great kind of feedback information that everybody wants. And then after that, it's really just opinion. And I think that so long as predominantly you're getting uh, good opinions, most people like what you're doing, uh, then you're probably doing you're probably doing okay. The next tip then, if you get the opportunity, have some professional author images taken. They'll come in handy. Uh, as somebody who's been running a podcast for well three years now that's what we're celebrating with these extra episodes somebody who's been running a podcast for that long one of my criteria for interviewing authors is that they have a web presence and that I could find out about them online because really if I do a podcast interview with them if I can't send you to their twitter page their facebook page their website it's not really a lot of use you can't find anything else about them and really uh, you've got to have those as just a basic author presence you've got to have a website of some kind you've got to have some online presence and before I left the BBC I uh, they they were taking a load of presenter photographs so you, you know the sort of thing if you've ever called into a local radio station you get these lovely cheesy photos of the presenters and I had those taken for years when I was presenting radio programs and before I left the BBC they were they were doing a new stock of photos and I just said to the boss then can I can I pay for a freelance job and, and come and get my photos done at the same time and in actual fact uh, I, I probably need to get some new ones taken, actually, because when people see the photos, they very politely say, you've aged. That's really what they're saying. When they say you look different from the photos, I think what they're saying is you've aged since they were taken. And they're quite right. They were taken some years ago. They were very well lit, mind you. Uh, so I probably need some new author th photos. But I've never regretted having those author photos taken. It's so useful if the papers get in touch and want to write a story on you, if you could just have those photographs available you'll you'll never regret it and there's nothing worse than people having inappropriate photos done i i was talking to somebody in a business capacity the other day about a linkedin profile uh where this person was pictured in a linkedin profile with ski gear on so you couldn't even see their face and i said you've really got to have a professional photograph on these things it needs to be a full face photograph so we can see who you are and it needs to be well lit it can't be darker in shadow or anything like that so if you can get yourself some professional author image, images taken a lot of events have them now uh, they do them as part of the ticket price or they have a photographer in the reception area who'll do them for 20 or 30 quid or something like that it's well worth doing to very practically hunt that out the next tip relates to that is get a website up as soon as possible and I'm not snobby about this. I mean, I would recommend WordPress to you uh, for technical reasons. I'm not going to go into any great depth about them here. But with WordPress, you own the blog. If you have a self-installed WordPress website, you own the blog uh, uh, and the content. So therefore, it's yours and you can change hosting services and the website stays the same. So uh, and, and also, um, WordPress is very future-proofed as well. It, it, it just people build around it. And it's very open source. And for instance, the big change since WordPress came out is we now have mobile responsive and mobile optimized websites. And, and WordPress just took that in its stride because of the nature of the website that it is. So get a website up as soon as possible. Now, as I said, I'm not snobby about this. I would recommend WordPress self-installed sites, but I understand that that way lies some pain, technical pain, maybe some costs as well. So use Wix, W-I-X, if you're not technically minded and you really really resentfully are doing this and if it's just a single page that says fred blogs author has your photograph on it and has your book cover on there and says where people can contact you and find out more about you if it's just that that's fine but get something up on the web as soon as you can have a web presence 
because without it, you're invisible these days. You're going to have to be a very good writer and a very popular writer to be able to get by without any kind of web presence. And most of us are not going to have that experience. So so get a website up. Um, you could also get a Facebook page up. That's free. Takes a couple of minutes. Uh, and also get uh, a Twitter profile up if you if if that suits you. Uh, don't take uh, don't get all the social profiles up. I think that's one thing that beginners often do. They'll 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 go for everything. They'll get everything set up. They'll quickly become overwhelmed. What I would say is get a website up and in the first instance try the social media channel that you think will suit you best or one that you're on already. Um, you know maybe have one or two social channels and a website, but don't don't you don't need to over egg the pudding. Just do the the social channels that you feel most comfortable with. And that takes me on to my next point, which is that I think Twitter is a great place to follow and connect with other authors, book bloggers, readers, and podcast hosts. So Facebook is a great place to connect with readers. Twitter, I think, and this is my personal experience, so other people will say other things, but I have found Twitter absolutely excellent to connect with authors. I find all my podcast guests on there and and connect with them and contact them through Twitter. I find um, there are book bloggers on there. Uh, Book bloggers are people who promote your book. You come on and you guest you provide guest blog posts about your book or they interview you for their blog. It, It all that all works really brilliantly on Twitter. So I've I've found Twitter brilliant more for professional use than readers but Facebook is much better place I think to connect with readers which is why I would have both you know my if you asked me what I thought you should have I would say get a website get a Twitter account get a Facebook account and if you um, and, and also sometimes it's quite nice to have a proper professional LinkedIn profile only in terms of you being a small press if you consider yourself to be a small press a, a publisher of your books then I just think the LinkedIn profile can help from a professional point of view and from the point of view of making you look slightly bigger than you are. So I am I just sit in my study here. I self-publish my books. I call my publishing co- company Clixio Publishing. I just call it Clixio Publishing. And, um, and, and I have a LinkedIn profile and a Clixio Publishing page for all, all very simple stuff. Uh, but it was something I remember Joanna Penn mentioning, just saying, if you are looking for foreign rights deals or you're open receptive to those she just said it's quite nice to have a very simple publishing site because it just makes you look a little bit bigger than you are it, it, it indicates that you're not just a little bedroom industry which most of us are it just makes it look a little bit bigger to people in the outside world who may want to do a foreign rights deal with us or something like that next then you need to build a mailing list from day one and I have reflected on this already by talking about the software that I think you should use but a mailing list um, basically if you've got likes on our page or you've got followers on Twitter in very very simple terms although that's a lovely conduit for you finding and connecting with readers and other authors and professionals in your industry if I were to pull the plug on either of those social channels you'll have nothing left except a memory of, of what used to be on those platforms whereas if you have your own website you own the website it's what I call the mothership of your business so if you're going to be in writing for 20 years it makes all the sense in the world to get a WordPress website and to maintain that and keep it modern and keep it up to date which you can do very well once a WordPress website's been installed it's very simple once it's been installed but the same applies also to getting your readers uh, getting your fans on an email list because if they're on an email list um, they're yours. Uh, and even if you think one day in three years time that you don't want to use MailerLite, it's too expensive maybe, then you can export your list as a CSV file, which is just like a spreadsheet file, and you can import it into another software. So you own that data. No one is going to take that data away from you. And as you build your mailing list, as you as you go through the years, the months in your writing career, because that mailing list gets to have a lot of readers on it, you can, when you're very successful, and this isn't this isn't me, uh, but you could mail your mailing list. I have done this with internet marketing when I've had big enough mailing lists. You can send out an email to your mailing list, and, and it could get you to the top of a chart just because of the sheer numbers of people on your mailing list. So definitely get a mailing list. And my advice, if you listen to all of these special podcast episodes that I'm doing I recommend MailerLite or MailChimp it doesn't matter which one you do the other thing that's going to happen this is point nine is you are going to have to pay for advertising and I've mentioned this in one of the previous episodes I called this the it's just the expense of of being in business the costs of being in business Uh, you just have to 
you just have to lay out some expenditure. And I think now self-publishing very much has become largely a pay-to-play environment, which means you're probably going to have to pay. And if you are going to use the the, the most, uh, not the most popular, but I guess the most effective advertising, you're probably going to be looking at Facebook ads, Amazon ads, or BookBub ads. Those those are the main services that I think the majority of authors use. I've tried uh, Google Ads as well, had lots of traffic, but not many buy-throughs. So I was, that's a kind of pending experiment that I need to, to get back to. But I would say most authors are using Facebook, Amazon or BookBub. And you don't have to spend a fortune on it. I mean, you can set budgets of £5 a day on Facebook. Again, with Amazon, you can control your budgets. A BookBub will spend your budget very fast, um, but you can control your budgets. You're not overspending. You're not going to lose the shirt off your back. But you are probably going to have to learn to advertise. There are loads of courses and books out there that will advise you on how to do it. Mark Dawson has an excellent or two excellent courses, the names of which I forget, but one of them is something like self-publishing 101 and the other one is is an is like an advertising masterclass for self-publishers i've got i've bought the advertising masterclass for authors and it's great it, it covers everything you would want to know about advertising online so that would probably be my my recommendation is to check out mark dawson's courses and also if you're going to do bookbub advertising there are kind of three books that you need to know about for facebook it is michael I forgot this. I forgot his name. It's on my. It's on my shelf. Um, Michael something. I put them on the show notes. Um, help my Facebook ads suck. Brian Meeks and also increasingly Brian Cohen are becoming the the voice to listen to with Amazon ads. But I'm also going to recommend um, for a very low price and, and the material that I like best is Dave Gochran's content. He's done a brilliant book on BookBub ads and he's also done a free book on Amazon ads. And I would recommend for my money, I would start with Dave Gochran's free Amazon book and his uh Two ninety nine, three ninety nine, wherever you are in the world, his BookBub ads uh, book as well, because they, they, for my money, are the best things that I've looked at. Uh, but if you want to immerse yourself in some some full training, it's a very broad uh, training and detailed training. Uh, take a look at what um, Mark Dawson has done, because that's also very good, and that's the training that I've accessed myself. Finally, then in this top ten, I would recommend that you take a look at Kalytics. Now, Kalytics is something I've resisted for quite a while now. I don't really know why. When I bought it, I just loved it and could see the whole point of it. But what Kalytics does is it gives you very detailed breakdown of statistics, uh, popular categories in your genre on Amazon. It shows you, effectively, it shows you, uh, tells you keywords that you should be using in your genre because they are keywords that lots of people use, but a lot of people might not authors might not be using them and then it also tells you categories which are less competitive which might allow you to get closer to those top positions rather than if you list, listed at a top level category like thrillers or sci-fi or or romance so um, kalytics reports cost 37 dollars a time you can get a subscription for more but i think i've bought just trying to think what i've bought i've got the sci-fi one I've got the thrillers one, and I think I'm considering buying another um, deeper dig down into thrillers, into subgenres. Uh, but Kalytics, there's lots of free content, by the way, on Kalytics as well. So check out the free content first. But I would thoroughly recommend, if you're listing a book, that you get the Kalytics report for your genre and you dig deep into it before you actually list your book. Because... Um, I, I, the minute I saw it, start, and I bought it and started working through it. I loved it. And, uh, I'm well on board with Kalytics now. So those are my, my 10 miscellaneous tips. Some of them resources, just some of them practical hints and tips, just a bit of a mishmash there. But I wanted to make sure that I covered all those points. And so to finish this last installment of this three year anniversary, I'm going to talk to you about 10 business and mindset books, podcasts, and audios. Now, I came to being a self-published writer from a background of, of, of being an internet marketer. So I've been going, I've been reading about self-development, personal development, websites, all this kind of stuff for a long time. So I came to this industry with a lot of people that I was already listening to or consuming their material. And many principles that I use in internet marketing that you just use in general business, I think apply to indie authors. We are 
one man, one woman, one person businesses, as in the authors. Often we have uh, freelancers or outsourcers. Um, but all these principles of, 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 of doing good business, of mindset, of strategy, these are all really important for us. So I've listed 10 of the podcasts, audios and books that I found um, not only most interesting for me, but that I would recommend that you check out because I think that you'll find them very valuable um, as, as effectively most of us are self-employed people. So the first book, if you've listened to these podcast diaries for a length of time, the first book is Flight Path by Brian Tracy, but I would actually recommend anything by Brian Tracy. I think I've got everything he's virtually done. I don't go for the hard business ones, the hard sales books that he does. Uh, he does quite a lot of those, but I do very much go for the um, time management, the mindset books, which I love. And my favorite book of Brian Tracy's, which I own in audio book form and paperback book form, is Flight Path. The very simple principle of Flight Path, and this really applies to anybody in business, is that... Um, as writers, we want to write a book and we want as many people as possible to buy that book. We want to have a sensation of a book. We want people to make a film of it, a play of it. They want We want a soundtrack composed. That's what we want when we write a book. Uh, I think that's probably fair to say that. We, we, want, we want it to be acclaimed. We want people to love our book. But the the course or the gap between when we write that book and if we ever get there is is sort of paved with all sorts of detours, problems, all sorts of things. And the concept of flight path refers to an aeroplane, saying basically that if I fly from London to Alicante, say, it describes how a, an aeroplane obviously is going from London to Alicante, it will arrive at its destination. But all the time, because of headwinds and weather and lightning and all those sorts of things, it's maybe dropping down a couple of thousand feet and going up a couple of thousand feet, um, or it's course adjusting very slightly. And, and the principle is, is that although you can adjust your course and you should adjust your course, you don't have to actually change the destination. And it's just a really it really covers just that basic concept extremely well. I, I found it very helpful. It's a book I return to time and time again, because the path to where you are and where you want to be is unlikely to be a straight one. It's unlikely to be as the crow flies. And, and Brian Tracy's book reflects that. He's done lots of other books too. I've got a book on my shelf from him, one that I can read here, which is um, Reinvention. And I have lots of his audio books too. So I'm a big fan of Brian Tracy. A book that I've reread very recently when I was having a bit of a, a crisis about what I was doing and was I doing too many things is The One Thing by Gary Keller and Jay Papasan. And again, this is a book that I like so much. I've got the audio of it and I also have the paperback on my bookshelf. Uh, the One Thing is, is simply that. It, it talks about the power of focus. So rather than you trying to do all sorts of things at once, it talks about focusing on just one thing. And it's easier said than done, as we all know. I think at the time I reread it, I was doing three podcast episodes a week. I was writing fast. I had a day job. You know, I was doing all sorts of things. And I decided to just buckle down and focus on the core principles. So if you're one of those people and you think I'm doing too many things, I'm spread too thinly, I'm achieving nothing. I, I would have to say to you that I think the one thing is a standard business book that anybody who's in business for themselves should read anyway. That's my, my view of it. But I highly recommend that book by Gary Keller and Jay Papasan. Another book, The Success Principles by Jack Canfield. This is one that I know Joanna Penn reads every year. So I was quite pleased that I'd already found it and read it. It's quite a thick book. Um, just trying to remember, I think I probably got the audio for that as well, but there's so much in it that I, I got the audio, probably listened to the audio while I was exercising, then bought the book. Now, I will just warn you off a little bit, but um, and, and I don't know why authors do this, because there are, there are certain things in life that will divide a room. Um, sport is one of them. Uh, religion is another one, and politics is another. And, and um, Brian Tracy, uh, not Brian Tracy, Jack Canfield goes quite a lot into, into not quite a lot, he goes into religion in this book. And it's one of those things that will instantly divide the audience. You know, if you have uh, faith uh, beliefs, then you'll be fine with it. And if you don't, you'll think, why are you telling me this? This is supposed to be a business book, not a religious book. And, you know, it's the same with sport. If, if you mention football in a mixed room, some people's ears will prick up and think, oh, football. And other people think, oh, my God, I need to escape from here. So there are certain topics, I think, that you should just avoid, unless it is specifically a book about religion. And personally, if I was Jack Canfield, I would have 
taken that out of the book and, and just focused on the principles because the success principles um i think it's a really really it's a very broad and a really interesting book um so what i would say though is it because it is so broad you know take what you want from it eject what you don't but i found it a really a re- just a really interesting book and some of it's a bit woo woo for me as well um but i still think you would take a lot from that book, even if you thought it was woo-woo, even if you weren't happy with the religious bits, I still think you'd take a lot from the book. So it is well worth putting on your radar. Now, here's one I don't... I've got a couple here that you probably won't have heard of. The first one is The Luck Factor by Richard Wiseman. And I really enjoyed this book. Um, It was a concept, if you're in the UK, it was Darren Brown did a a really interesting Channel 4 programme on this about are some people luckier than others? And the principle of this book is that that you can create your own luck by being receptive to it. So it's it's not a woo woo book at all. Um, it doesn't. It's not about you know vision envisioning luck and you get it. But it, it is very much about getting out of your own way to create the circumstances whereby you can have what people would call luck. So, for instance, if I if I come home from work. Uh, every night for two years and write every night even though I'm tired and publish a book and my first book is a a sensation I get a film deal from it and everything like that Um, a lot of people would say oh that's lucky that's very lucky but what they don't see is the two years of preparation the work and the sacrifice you didn't sit down and watch EastEnders in the evening you you forced yourself to do the writing they don't see that part but what you did is you put yourself in the slipstream of luck if you hadn't done that and done the work and written the book there's absolutely no way you could have had the inverted commas luck to get the film deal to get the runaway success of a book so this this is the the principle of it it is a business book it's a mindset book but it effectively says you have to be receptive and open in a way to create that luck and it even goes down to things like networking if you go to 20 books in Edinburgh and you sit there with your arms folded and you won't talk to anybody and I appreciate some people are shy it's it's a uh, it I, I, I I'm quite shy to be honest with you I don't um, relish situations like that but uh, you know it helps having a podcast where people already know you um, but if you it, that's an extreme example if you just sat there and thought I'm not talking to anybody then you might not meet a potential partner, a potential collaborator, somebody who might invite you onto their podcast, somebody who might love your book and then go on uh, to bring it to a wider audience. Uh, and that's what I mean about putting your, yourself in the way of luck. And I think it's a great book. Again, bought the audio, loved it so much, I bought the book. Now, here's somebody you won't have heard of. This is somebody that I've been connected with through property investment, through um, blockchain, you know, through Bitcoin and things like that. That's how I, I found him. And he does a great podcast called the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. Podcast. This is a guy called Rob Moore. Now, Rob's very in your face. If you listen to the, uh, the, the one thing I, I dislike most about the, the podcast is he's got this quite thrashy, heavy metal music at the beginning of it. And often I'm listening to it in the morning and it's just a bit at my age, you know, it's just like, turn it down. It's just a bit loud for me, but, but the, <laughs> the, uh, the content is great. Uh, and I got a lot of time um, for Rob and I've been connected with him and his training organization in Peterborough, maybe five or six years now uh, through various things. And I'm a member of his mastermind podcast group at the moment. So um, Rob, Rob writes some great books, uh, but the ones I'm going to recommend to you are one called Life Leverage and one he's written on money. So the Life Leverage one is about basically working more effectively, working smarter, making the most of your time, um, all the sort of things you'll hear me talking about, the way I manage my time. Um, Rob has basically condensed loads of this stuff into the book called Life Leverage. It's really, really good. If you need to manage your time, you just want to sweat the hours of the day better. You want to work smarter, not harder, more efficiently, more effectively, devise systems for things. It's all in that book, Life Leverage by Rob Moore. Um, Again, got the audio, got the book, love it. Uh, same with this one, got the audio, got the book. Um, it's a book just called Money. It's just called Money. But um, it's it's just, I think it's a really pivotal book. It's I think it'll be a, a classic, like Think and Grow Rich, which I'm going to talk to you about in a moment. But Money, it talks about our attitudes to money, how you make money and keep money, um, and, and how you could make money more effectively, how you could use things like, uh, you know, books to 
create assets in the world that, that make you money. And it talks about our attitudes to money, why we fail with money, uh, negative experiences we have with money, positive experiences. It's just a really, really good book. Um, and Robbie's a multimillionaire through property investment, you know, so he's not just somebody who's theorizing about this. Um, but it's a great book. So two books from Rob, Life Leverage and Money. By the way, uh, Rob, He's a self-published author. Uh, he's he's getting big deals now, but he uh, his early property books that he used to publish were all self-published, and he he does a completely different way of getting his books to number one in Amazon. Uh, something that isn't on our radar as indie publishers at all, um, because he's got such a uh, well, he's got such a, a, a rabid fans, basically. You know, in a good way. Big fans is what I'm saying, and uh, and he's got virtually all of his books to number one in Amazon using techniques that that we just don't use uh, as in the authors you've got to have a big platform to do it but he is also an author it's worth noting that he's also an author and a very successful one too um obviously writing non-fiction rather than fiction so that's rob moore the next book is think and grow rich by napoleon hill and this is a classic it's a i think it's 1930s i think it was written in it's it's years old um and again get the audio get the book I think anybody who's done any kind of personal development or mindset work would say, get, think and grow rich. And the basic principles of this are about networking, about um, the value of a mastermind. And we are in a mastermind. We're in 20 books to 50K. That's a mastermind group, if you want. Um, you know, where, where we could learn from people who know better than us, who've, who've done better than us, and we could model their success. And, and Michael Andalay and Craig Martell and Mark Dawson and Joanna Penn, just trying to think, who have I missed off there? Uh, and, you know, uh, Brian Cohen as well. Uh, these are all, uh, successful authors who share what they're doing. Um, and, and we could learn from them and model their success. And that's the concept of think and grow rich is to connect with mastermind groups so that you can learn from people who have, have done it already. And there's lots of great mindset stuff in there too. And it, what, what's absolutely amazing about that book when you read it is how old it is and the language hasn't changed, but how applicable it still is. Um, well, it's, it's over. How old is it? If it was 1930s, hang on. Yeah, it's almost 100 years old, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. So it's quite remarkable how fresh it still feels. The other book which I think you've got to read, I don't think it's actually a brilliant book. It's actually just got one principle in it, but I think it's quite an important book to have on your radar. And that's Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. It, it has um, it has a core principle at its core, but it's such an important core principle that you've kind of got to get it. You've got to read the book and you've got to get it. And as, as indie authors... We are doing the rich dad, poor dad model. And the rich dad, poor dad model is basically to have income producing assets. Income producing assets. A book is an income producing asset. Now, so the, the basic principle of this book is that um, if you go to work, if I, if I, if I work at a McDonald's and I'm getting paid five pounds an hour, I do Let's just say I do um, five hours work and I make 40 pounds. I can never get that time back. That's a one-off payment. No one gives me any extra. I've done my hours. It's time for money. Time for money. When you write a book, it might take you, I don't know, however many hours it takes you to write a book. You can then leverage that time because once you've published your book and once you've done the work, you can sell that book many, many times. If the book isn't brilliant at first, you can get it re-edited, put a new cover on it, write a new blurb. You can relaunch it, give it a completely new title, learn, having learned what you've learned, make money on it over and over again. And your estate can make money on your books. I think, is it at 50 years after you die? So that is a leveraged asset in that you might do, say it takes you 100 hours to do the work. If you did those 100 hours at McDonald's at £5 an hour, you would have spent those 100 hours, you'd have got paid for them, but there was no way you could leverage the work that you've done. It's just one off, you've done it, the hours, the time is burned up. But with a book, it's like putting your time into stasis. It's like freezing it, your time, so that that time that you spent writing that book you can make money on that book time and time and time and time again. And that book might have been written 10 years ago and you might rewrite it. And then all of a sudden uh, the zeitgeist hits it. And then all of a sudden you've got a TV series or whatever. Look at um, Margaret Atwood. Look at the, what's it called? The Handmaid's Tale. I remember going to see that as a film with Natasha, whoever it was in that film. Um, in the 80s, I think it was. And then here it is bigger than ever. 
in, in, you know, in this century. It's bigger than ever with the TV series. It's huge again. And Margaret Atwood selling loads of books. Absolutely remarkable. That is an income-producing asset. That's what books are. And that's the concept of Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Kiyosaki, Robert Kiyosaki. So I, I would say to you, although I, I think it's got a pretty simple concept, you've got to read the book to grasp the concept. And, and when you read it, you think, oh, I've been doing this wrong my whole life. <laughs> I've got this completely wrong. Um, it's, so I think it's such a pivotal book, you've got to read it. But I'm not professing that, that kind of it's dripping with concepts and wise words. It's pretty well a one-concept book, but it's important that you get the concept. Next in the list is a podcast, and I'm coming back to Rob Moore again, actually. Um, Rob, I, I've mentioned the books Life, Leverage, and Money by Rob Moore. I also now want to... To, to big up his podcasts. So Rob does a disruptive entrepreneur podcast and a money podcast. So he's got two podcasts. The money podcast obviously reflects the themes of the book. It's all about money. Disruptive entrepreneur is a mixture of interviews with millionaires and billionaires. And also uh, he has things, these things called Rob's rants, which are about things in business. But he also d- talks about mindset and business strategies and things like that Um, so there's again there's loads of stuff in there again with the interviews I tend to pick and mix with the interviews a lot of them I'm not interested in some of them I'm fantastically interview I'm fantastically interested in but he's generally talking to people about how how they make uh, their money how they build their businesses how they've dealt with tough times it's just really good mindset business stuff Um, and I, I thoroughly recommend them to because I don't think you'll hear about Rob in any of our circles circles um he's 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 kind of just wide of our circles so i'm recommending him to you that you check him out somebody else that you won't hear of in our circles but i think he's just brilliant i just love listening to the guy is a chap called robin sharma and robin has something called the mastery sessions podcast and and robin is all about mastery of of being like a champion of what you do and i I just love listening to the guy I, i think he has this beautiful positive outlook and disposition he energizes me just to listen to the way he speaks he doesn't put anything down he's never negative Uh, he energizes me i think that's the the safest way to say it and um and i i just love his his view his view of the world his positive view of the world so i listen to robin's podcast i've consumed some of his courses i have his books i have his audios i'm just a big fan of robin um and he tends his books uh, tend to be told through like modern parables, but they're, it's good stuff. Um, he's hugely popular, hugely popular all over the world in, in territories that we can only dream of, like in India. I think he's massive in India, uh, all over the world. But you won't have heard of him in, in indie author circles, but very good for mindset, for for getting things right in your business, for, for getting things balanced in your life. I, I love Robin Sharma. I think he's great. And uh, you won't hear him anywhere else. So I'm telling you about him. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, do check out the podcast and, and see whether you like it. See if it's your kind of thing. Finally, for now, uh, another podcast. Again, you won't hear about this anywhere else. When you're in business, I've already mentioned, really, you've got to have a Twitter account, a Facebook account and a website. And there are little technical things that you have to be aware of. You need to know about things like landing pages, email marketing, uh, conversion rates, all these things. Now, this was easy for me because I'd come from internet marketing before I started becoming a self-published author. So that, that was easy for me. I had an advantage with that. But I've got a great digital podcast that I like to listen to. and I love the guys who present it. You know, when you, with podcasts, when you just love the presenters, I, I love hearing them talk with each other. They're, they're nice with each other. Um, and it just works. It just gels. Um, and so this is the digital marketing podcast from Target Internet. And you might think, well, why am I recommending that to indie authors? Well, because it's great. If you want to learn about digital marketing, you don't want to be overwhelmed with tech and geekery. You just want to just understand it in simple terms. You know, what do I need to know? This is where I get all my my market data from. This is where I go to learn and to make sure I'm on top of everything, all the latest changes in social media and things like that. But it doesn't overwhelm me with tech. It's very accessible. The guys who do it are are wonderful, Um, you know, not geeky, but they're very knowledgeable, but not geeky. And I highly recommend it to you. You don't need to listen to all the episodes. Some of them I skip but uh, I tend to go through and look at the headlines and listen to the ones that really interest me. So for instance, I don't market personally on Instagram, um, though I would say actually I still would listen to an Instagram um, podcast because I need to know about it and see whether 
I'm missing an opportunity on Instagram. Uh, but they talk about websites and email marketing strategies and they, they get the odd expert on. Just, just pick and mix with it. But it is a great source of learning for anything that you might be doing in digital. So there you go. That is it. That's the 75th of my tips. I have got a, a bonus tip for each of these episodes. So uh, I will say to you, uh, my last bonus tip is keep going. Just keep going. Um, as long as you can keep putting one step in front of the other, just keep going. Um, and I think Joanna Penn is an excellent example of this. She's just celebrated her 10th anniversary of podcasting. She's been through uh, tough times, times when no one was listening to her, but she just kept going. And she's the last woman standing, effectively, when everybody else around her uh, has, has gone, has given up. She's still going at it. And, um, you know, there's a lot to be said for longevity. So I, I think my last tip would be just keep going as long as you can. Um, for as long as you can sustain it, for as long as you can keep it up, just uh, keep going. Because every book that you release is an asset, as I've already said earlier on in this episode. Uh, it can make you money now, tomorrow, next month, next year, and for years to come. And even when you're gone, it can make money. So we're putting great stuff out into the world. It's hard. It's tough. It's difficult to get going. It's hard to get traction. So much help out there. So many people uh, willing to help, to chip in, to give you best practice. I've shared loads of that with you in these episodes. So for as long as you can, just keep going. That's my last tip for you right now. Okay. Thank you very much for listening to these bonus three episodes. I hope that you've got some value from them. Maybe picked up a few tips, got some books, some podcasts that you're going to add to your list. I will be back with a regular diary update for you on Saturday, the 6th of April. And uh, that will be, I'm just just check my schedule here. Yeah, that's going to be my quarter two preview. So in that episode on Saturday, I will be talking you through April, May and June of 2019 and letting you know what my plans are for the second quarter of the year. So that's coming up on Saturday, 6th of April. In the meantime, I hope you've enjoyed these three special anniversary episodes. Have a great week of writing, editing, whatever it is you're doing in your indie author career. And I'll speak to you Saturday. Bye-bye for now. Thanks for listening to Paul's Podcast Diary. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed to hear next week's update and find out how many words get produced over the next seven days. Until then, we hope you have a great week of writing.